0: You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings
1: podcast. We waited for the draft lottery. We even tried to wait until the Kings announced their new coach, but we could wait no longer to come back to you because it's episode 38. The Bannermen are back. Vardy, how are you this evening?
0: Oh, I'm peachy, buddy. I'm hanging in there. You know, not a lot's happening. Uh, Really? Yeah, nothing exciting, you know boring all week boring with boring last two and a half weeks really
1: that's funny because just this sunday was probably the craziest sports day that i can remember in a long time madness so um, i'm pretty sure you're being sarcastic because there is a whole hell of a lot going on around hockey specifically um and even a little bit about our boys mm-hmm. the silver and black all right so the draft lottery This is what we were waiting for. We decided the last episode to wait until a draft lottery happened. So glad we
0: did. So glad. So
1: worth it. (laughs) Because uh, the unexpected happened in that the Kings' least likely scenario came true. (laughs) Fifth overall, Vardy. Kings picking fifth after a massive jump by Chicago and New York. The Rangers, two teams we hate. Um. Now we hate anyway. I was kind of okay with them before. But yeah, um, surprised Vardy, were you hmm? that the Kings ended up with the fifth pick? I mean,
0: I guess it shouldn't be because truthfully, that was actually the most likely scenario if you look at the odds that the odds were actually in our favor of not winning the lottery.
1: Right, but, but the likeliest scenario was still y- picking number two. Yeah, yeah. And that didn't happen.
0: I actually I don't know if the likeliest one was for us to pick number two. I think winning the lottery was like thirteen percent, but then every other category of our pick dropping was actually like if you pull that into a pool, that's a higher probability. That's kind of what I mean. Like
1: Interesting. I think, so yeah, the Kings yeah, yeah. were more likely to pick fifth than second?
0: <laughs> the Kings were more likely to drop from second to another pick than, than pick. they were to pick second or first.
1: Well, that just doesn't make any sense to me.
0: But uh, But that's the lottery, baby. That's what we got now, where Chicago can miss the playoff by six points and then get third overall pick. This is the world we live in. Awesome. Hope you like it. I hate it. It's the worst.
1: I hate it. So immediately, well, not immediately, because for, I want to say, 48 solid hours there, <laughs> we were pretty upset. Um, but we got over it, as we always do. And so we focused in on what can the Kings get at number five. And that's when usually around this time I really get into the prospects. I know you do too, Vardy. Mm-hmm. And just trying to look and see what there is. And I read a lot about these guys. And the name that jumps out, well, there's a lot of names that jump out. But my favorite guy at number five for the Kings is now Alex Turcott. Mm-hmm. 5'11", 185, a center out of the USA Developmental. Uh, national team he was on the under 18 with Jack Hughes all that good stuff from everything I've read a two-way center who can also bring a lot of skill to the position Uh, the type of center that you trust in every single situation type of center that can basically do it all but at a high level. And that's, I've always kind of liked players like that. In fact, a uh, comparable that always comes up with them is Jonathan Taves. And I'm
0: okay with that. We're
1: okay with that because we have a similar player right now who, who did us real good mm-hmm. for the last 10 years. So that's, that's kind of who I want now. So you can mark that down fans. I'm sure you are, but there's a lot of interesting names. Um, yeah, Kirby, a lot of, a lot of solid Dutch. players yeah. from
0: the, yeah. A lot of solid players from the U S national team. If you look at the kind of the top ten projected forwards, Correct. a few guys from the U.S. national team there.
1: Correct from the U.S. Uh, national team, you'll have Trevor Zgrass, um Cole Caulfield, who whose stock was just has kept rising ever mm-hmm. since. Now he's five foot seven. That's you know not ideal, I guess, but in the new NHL, it doesn't matter anymore, and that's kind of the uh, the good part of that. Matthew Baldy. No idea. I haven't really researched him too much. But a lot of good players on the North American side and from the European side, of course. Capo Caco is the big prize out of there. But then there's Vasily Putkolsin out of Russia. He's a right winger, a real good player, comparable. Uh, I've read a lot that he, they, he reminds a lot of people of a younger, more productive Rick Nash, which is nice. <laughs> I'm sure for him. But the the thing, Vardy, of the top 10 picks, I don't think there's more than one defenseman that is a consensus top 10, and that's Bowen Byram
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: from the WHL. So would I think it's safe to say that if the Kings go up to the podium, they're taking a forward.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, at this and uh, you know, so the obvious things being obvious, Jack Hughes, Capo Capococco are going to go uh, – one and two, in that order, more than likely, more unless than there's likely. some dramatic shift in terms of traded picks or something silly like and that. Really, but. the
1: only other shift is if I don't know uh, New Jersey really loves Capo Caco to the point where they take him uh, one and and Hughes goes two to the Rangers.
0: Right, but I I don't think there's any. I would be. I'd be shocked. absolutely yeah, I'd be shocked, flabbergasted yeah. if that happens. And truthfully, I'd be I'd be amazed if if uh, the Rangers traded that pick too. I think they're in a perfect position to bring in a guy like that. You have to take him. You have
1: to take him.
0: It's easy peasy. Um, And then I think a little bit of what happens for the Kings, unfortunately, um, ends up being dependent on what happens with the teams ahead of them. right? So say Chicago takes uh, Dylan Cousins, uh, the Avalanche take Alex Turcotte, then okay. It opens up the field a little bit for the Kings to look into. Is there a particular forward that they like that kind of stands out to them? And and that's, that's, I think what sucks about their position being number five versus number three is if there's a guy that you like at three, right. And you're picking at three, you basically have the entire field ahead of you. You knew the two that were going to go. There's no, there's no guessing game. There's nothing like that going on. So in some ways, picking three is not terrible, because you you get to pick the best of the rest kind of thing. But now you're picking at five, which means that you're not really sure what's going to happen. You're not really sure what's going to come at you. And especially after a terrible season like the one the Kings had, you were hoping for just a little bit of certainty. Just a little bit less of a guessing game, a little bit less of you know a what-if scenario or, or, or what have you. And it just didn't work out that way because that's just that's just how things go for the Kings a lot of times, unfortunately. And you know we don't want to be we don't want to be naysayers, we don't want to be pessimists, but it just seems to find a way into <laughs> into the Kings' lot in life.
1: Right. Uh, just to be clear, the Kings and I know you agree with this. The Kings are getting a good player here. I think no matter I'm what. I'm not disagreeing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, not yeah disagreeing I know, with I know. that. And actually, if if Turcotte's not there, man i've been reading up on trevor Zgrass. he is an intriguing player
0: right and there's plenty of options that even that i'm not disagreeing on you know i we just listed off four or five names of guys that i think if they if that's what's there at five you're still gonna have to pick a little bit between those guys right yeah but i just think that you know anyway this is where we're at we're picking five i think at some point between these three or four guys, you'll see them projected in multiple different locations depending on which mock draft you look at. And I think barring anything massively being different, I don't know if any one of them is going to jump ahead and make themselves a clear number three overall prospect in this draft at this point. So um, some of it is just going to come down to which one of these like four to five guys ends up one available, and two really standing out to the kings amongst who's left. And hopefully we're not all blindsided when they come up there. Hopefully, it's one of these names that we think, and it's not another Thomas Hickey scenario or whatever it may it may end up being. Um, because, yeah, I, I think a center would be I mean, or forward of some point some type would be very nice for the kings to take a high high caliber forward i think is what they're missing and thankfully i think that's what's going to end up being in the best best available player category as well
1: probably so i mean i'm you have to wonder if anyone's going to come up and take the uh, Bowen byram in the top four I, I, I don't know specific needs for each team but regardless the kings are going to have a shot at a good forward i think they're going to take it so yeah if you're still sad about the draft lottery that's fine but I guess what we're trying to say is get excited a little because there's some good stuff out there for the Kings, some good players. They will come away with a pretty good player out of this draft. Um, did we want one or two? Yes. If you read our tweets, you will know that. It's hmm. very clear. We did not hide that fact. But that's that. As we as we get closer to the draft, we'll actually have a much more in-depth kind of draft episode Yeah. where we'll break down – Um after more research, we'll break down what kind of player the Kings might be looking at and the rankings will change, believe it or not, between now and the draft too. Right, and also
0: also not just at five, you have to keep in mind that the Kings have three picks in the first 33 overall picks. Yes. So they're going to have five, they're going to have Toronto's first round pick, and then they're going to have their own second round pick, which will be the 33rd pick of the draft. Because that's not affected by the lottery, to my understanding. I think everything past the first round goes back to what your what your standings were at the end of the season, if I remember correctly.
1: I don't. I don't think so. I think it just. Really? I think it carries over. Yeah.
0: I have to look into that. I was under the impression that it goes back to what the standings were. That the lottery was only for the first round.
1: I think you're right, Vardy. I think you, yeah. I think you are correct because point, Vardy. In, I, I just randomly pulled up the 2014 draft. Aaron, Aaron Eckblad went one to Florida. Reinhardt went two to Buffalo. And then it was Edmonton and Calgary. And then Buffalo selected 31st. Right. And Florida selected 32nd. Was there?
0: So here, a I'll, I'll, look at the, I'll look at the 2017 draft. Yeah. So look at the 2017 draft. Number one pick went to New Jersey. Number two went to Philly, number three went to Dallas, and then second round, the order goes Avalanche, um Vancouver, Vegas, then Philly, then New Jersey,
1: yeah,
0: and then third round it goes same thing
1: you're you're right, I think you're right
0: yeah, I think yeah, I think and, and that's the one thing I, that's my crazy.
1: mind is blown right now. I can't believe I didn't know that. Yeah, I thought, but it makes sense
0: though if you think about it. I right? guess
1: uh, in theory, yeah, it does make cause, sense. Because how much because sense
0: should it shouldn't be every round, right? Because why would you want to? Re- you don't just reward them for winning the lottery for a single round. You're going to reward Chicago to lo- for the lottery pick in every single round. That's that's craziness.
1: It is craziness, and I I have learned something new here today. And I and I like to thank you, Vardy, for hey for teaching me a thing or 90%
0: two 90% of the time you're the one teaching me something <laughs> so i am i'm going to take this one
1: well i'm going to but get, anyway i'm going to give you a little jarring history lesson then oh god uh, i, I uh, what i did is just curiosity I, I wanted to see who which players have gone fifth overall in the last i don't know let's say 10 years let's go with okay. 10 years okay i was just curious about it because of course it doesn't matter Honestly, it really this has no bearing on anything. But if you look at who has gone on at fifth overall, it, it is not an inspiring list. And I'm gonna read some off. Obviously, Elias Pettersson last year, wonderful pick for Vancouver, no doubt about it. In fact, he probably should have gone number two or something nutty like that. Who went number one last season? I forget. That's,
0: you're not talking last season. Pedersen uh, was... 17. Uh, yes, sorry, yeah. sorry. 17. Yeah, 17. Yeah, was it yeah. his year? His sure year went So his one. year went one. Nolan Patrick went two.
1: Right. Already, Miro, you could argue uh, Pedersen's better than both of them. Right. So he right. likely should have gone number one if right. you look at his short body of work.
0: And, and then Miro Hiskinen went three. Yes. And he's turning into a damn good defenseman for Dallas. He's pretty good. And, uh, kale uh kale mccarr
1: mccarr who scored his first <laughs> nhl goal in his first nhl period in the stanley cup playoffs <laughs> god i love this this time of the year it, this tournament is just nuts we'll get into that right. uh, a little more so petterson in 17 Oli Ulevi levy in 16 noah hannafin in 15 michael del cole elias lindholm morgan riley ryan strome nino niederreiter Braden Shen to the LA Kings, and that brings us to 2009. So Luke Shen in 2008, Carl Ausner in 2007. The last, but before that, it was Kessel, Price, Wheeler going back to back to back, which are three mm-hmm. great. But my, my point is you hope to get a true game changer at number five. It Clearly, we're not talking about first overall or anything, but you would like to get someone who impacts your franchise and – I would like to point out that Yarmir Yager went fifth overall in 1990. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you look at the number two position where the Kings, I guess, were ranked technically, <laughs> man, <it> is so, <laughs> it is, this is a good lineup. So uh, Nolan Patrick in 17, obviously, but Patrick Laine in 16, Jack Eichel in 15, Sam Reinhardt, Sasha Barkov, Ryan Murray, Gabriel Landeskog, Tyler Sagan, Victor Hedman, Drew Dowdy,
0: <laughs> Gino Malkin. They could all go one overall and no one would bat an eyelash.
1: Exactly. So it's a, just a little bit of a difference there. I thought it was interesting to look at uh, to see the big differences between those two. But, again, it doesn't matter. It really truly doesn't matter because a scout can go up at number five and pick a guy who hypothetically – is ranked number 25 and he goes on to be like a hall of famer you know eric you carlson went hickey. late in the first round <laughs> thomas right. hickey went number four you know what i mean right. like so it's all very much about your scouting staff and who they really want and who they're really gonna fight for right but that was a fun exercise and now we can move on <laughs> until our draft episode where we will probably get more into this craziness um king's nation We're still looking for a coach. And all signs, all roads seem to be leading to one Todd McClellan. (laughs) It's not official yet, but we were looking at the vacancies earlier, and realistically, Buffalo was hot on his tail. They, for whatever reason, decided he wasn't the guy, whether they couldn't come to a a number, whatever it was, not happening. and Vigneault goes to Philly. Right. The stash goes to Florida. That leaves Anaheim, Ottawa. Who else? Is there anyone else?
0: I thought there was eight coaching vacancies, and right well, now I'm...
1: They're, they're counting St. Louis because Barube is an interim coach. Uh, but I suspect... That yeah. <laughs> <laughs> given where they're
0: landing I right now...
1: that he will be hired full-time.
0: That being said... The Capitals won a cup, and then Barry Trotz left. So it's not official until it's official, but I'm with you. I'm with you on this one. Um,
1: right, right. Um, so I don't – I think we may have covered the seven vacancies right there, that, right. the vacancies that were anyway.
0: So you got Buffalo, Philly, Anaheim, L.A., Florida, St. Louis, Ottawa. That's eight. Is it not? I have seven. You have seven. And some okay. other team. <laughs> so, Edmonton. Ah, uh, yes.
1: <laughs> Ed, so, by process of elimination, he's not going back to Edmonton, which Correct. I about Todd McClellan. Correct. Florida got their guy. Mm hmm. Philly got their guy. Yep. St. Louis is going to keep their guy. So, that leaves Anaheim, Los Angeles, Ottawa, and that's it.
0: Yep. And we really haven't heard anything about Ottawa or Anaheim being associated with McClellan. And I would like to think that he, he's going to go so far as to coach a team in the Northeastern region of the uh, continent that you'd pick Buffalo over Ottawa. Right. Um, But history being our guide in this situation, Todd McClellan has historically coached in the NHL, in the Pacific division um, in San Jose, in uh, Edmonton, And, you know, whether you want to target that as a point of preference for him, you're left with two Pacific Division teams, potentially, one of whom is obviously the Kings and uh, and they've been pursuing him. That's that's no secret to anyone. And depending on who you listen to, the contract's just waiting for the ink to dry before before they announce it. Um, But I don't know. There's there's a there's a small part of me. There's a small part of me that's still worried that out of nowhere I'm going to start hearing about Anaheim uh, making offers his way. And I don't know why that is. We haven't heard anything about Anaheim. Maybe it's just just the the pessimistic Kings fan in me yet again. Probably. And uh, But let's assume that's not the case. Let's assume that things are actually going to go the way we planned. And Todd McClellan will be the next uh, coach of the LA Kings. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Um, I'm fine with it. You know, am I?
0: Does it get you excited the way Quinville would? No, of course not.
1: Of course not. But coaching is a funny, funny thing in the NHL. You don't know. In fact, you know what? I'm, I've never seen a fan base who hired someone be 100% excited that they hired this guy other than Toronto getting Mike Babcock. I can't think of any other coach that was hired well i'm at florida now i was gonna say (laughs) yeah florida now obviously but okay so i can't think of a lot of scenarios where the fan base is just thrilled that they hired a specific coach and look no further obviously than daryl sutter for the la kings when we as a fan base completely took a giant crap on that hiring right worked out okay and and uh, you could point to a lot of guys like that john tortorella has been rinsed for years rinsed Mm -hmm. and right now he's on the cusp of doing something truly extraordinary with his group and that's why i say coaching is a funny thing because you can look at a coach and the first thing you look at is their track record what have they done and usually before this is going to sound stupid but they have to win at some point for them to become winners just because a coach hasn't won yet you can't just crucify him and say what has he done
0: on the flip side of that you could if you want to play the we want to we want a winner game you know mark crawford was a winner when the kings hired mark crawford and that was my god that was an exercise in patience i I can't think of a worse era in recent memory well i suppose this year but prior to that (laughs) than the mark crawford dan cloutier era that was horrendous
1: it was not good And and a lot of
0: that I felt like was because of the attitude and the approach to game management that Mark Crawford brings to the table. I don't care if he's won a cup. He won a cup with Forsberg and Sackick. Like we did not have Forsberg and Sackick in the lineup. And he did not know what to do with that team in the slightest.
1: No. It was a bad hire from day one. But I guess my point is like when we hired Daryl Sutter. Right. He had been to one final game seven. He had, you know, he'd always taken his team to the playoffs, but the knock on him was he can never stay with a team long enough to go over the top, to take them Mm -hmm. over the top. And then you go, he's already technically in the twilight of his career when the Kings pick him up, and suddenly things click, and for three years the Kings have the best run they've ever had in their history. So it's an interesting dynamic with coaches. Now people look at McClellan and they'll say, This is the guy that allowed the Kings to come back from 0 3 down to win four straight and eliminate his team. And that's just a simplistic way to look at it. To to look at it, be like, well, it's the coach. Yeah, but it's the coach and the players. And it's always been that way. And it will always be that way. This past season, the tire fire that was the LA Kings was really a big problem. Yes, but the players were a big problem too. And we'll get into Mm -hmm. that too. Because they themselves admitted as much. Management admitted as much. So. I'm not trying to act like I know everything because clearly we I don't and you don't. So what I'm saying is I'll take a guy who's respected around the league, who right. from everything I've read can work with young players and veterans, knows how to handle personalities, and I'll take that. And by the way, our GM, who's a, who will likely hire him, has played for him. And that eliminates a ton of the guesswork when you're getting a coach. Right. You've been in the room. When this guy is delivering his messages, the way he runs his practices, the way he handles himself, and the way he handles his players, you don't have to search for those answers. It's not a wait and see. You know the answer to most of those questions. Right.
0: And I think if you want to look historically at how his teams have been coached, granted he's had some pretty significant offensive personnel in both San Jose and Edmonton, but the goal production has always been there. The power play has always been there. The ability to make the playoffs – has been there. Even with Edmonton, he got them to the playoffs and after he got fired, they've come nowhere close to that, despite the fact that they've had chances to further remodel that team, bring in new players do you know, their guys have only gotten better since then. And so to me, If you're looking at the team, if you're looking at the Kings right now and you're looking at their roster and you're saying we've got a bunch of guys who made it, they won the cup, they have this experience from that Daryl Sutter area, they know how to play defensive hockey, two-way hockey, they know how to play playoff hockey, but the one thing they can't seem to get going is their offense, to me it makes a lot of sense to bring in a guy like McClellan who historically his teams have done well offensively. And add it to that mix of of a group of guys who have that other experience already into play. Because then you answer the one thing that your team was lacking. It's not like these guys don't know how to play defensive two-way hockey anymore. It's it's the offense that has never historically been to the caliber of the rest of the league for this team. And they were able to get away with it a little bit because their defense and their goaltending and everything was pretty stellar during those three years. But it's caught up with them now. And it takes a coach helping them figure out how to get back to that level again.
1: Yep, I'm with you there. I, I, again, it's not Joel Quenville excitement, but to me, it's a positive thing if it happens. Now right. we're talking. We're, we're kind of talking like it's a done deal, but right. the reason we're saying that is I can't realistically see. First of all, options for the Kings are limited, and second of all, after you know Buffalo drops out. After Philly hires their guy, you have to believe the Kings and McClellan are either final match. are, are yeah. match number one. And they they have to be like finalizing this thing right now. Right. Uh, Dennis Bernstein went so far as to say that it's a done deal. Um,
0: and to his credit, he was saying it was a done deal while people were still saying that Buffalo was the front runner. Right. And right. then Buffalo dropped out. Right. So whatever the holdup is, if it really is true to being a done deal, we haven't heard any any backtracking from, from Bernstein at least on that.
1: Yeah, and quite frankly, by the time you listen to this, it might be a done deal because that's right. how I guess we're at the brink of it now. I think the Kings wanna get it done as fast as possible. Right. Um reports suggest he's the guy. So by the time you hear this, it might be a done deal. And if it is, good. I'm happy because I feel like it will be now a real change from what mm-hmm. has been ailing the kings for the last three seasons now you're going in a completely different direction john stevens bless his heart was Mm -hmm. not going in a completely different direction willie Desjardins was just i don't even know it was like plugging a a hole in a pipe with a piece of chewing gum it's really (laughs) not you know what i mean it's not all you're doing is trying to stop the bleeding yeah And, and now after it's exciting because around december or november december the king's kind of decided, okay, we're going in this new direction. Uh, even And by then, Willie was in place. So by that time, Kings decided we're going in the direction, can't fire the guy you just hired. Mm-hmm. And now this offseason, with a new direction in mind, with a new game plan, hopefully, they bring in a new coach. And now I think for the first time in a long time, the team is actually headed right. in a different direction. Right. So for those reasons, I'm excited. For those reasons, I'm excited – whether it's McClellan or not, but I think I'm a little more excited if it is McClellan because he is such a respected guy around the league. I don't think anyone said, other than bitter fans, have said anything negative about him.
0: Yeah, and I think I think having a guy like McClellan, you could obviously you know, make the case that there's other guys. Maybe you should bring up someone, you know, uh, like Stothers from the from the AHL, or maybe it's time to hire like a young guy. I think honestly, with how much. Change there's going to be with this team in the locker room in the personnel younger players coming up. I want someone who has more experience than that. I'm not talking about an old hand to kind of guide things. And I don't see McClellan that way at all. Despite all his experience, I still see him as a younger coach. I still see him as someone who can prevail in the quote-unquote new NHL has a has a more modern take on coaching and development of players, but still with the experience in an NHL locker room where he can talk to guys like Brown and Kopitar who have been there and still command their respect. I think that's, that's a, he's the perfect type of coach in terms of his resume and in terms of his approach to the game for the team right now. And am I necessarily like over the moon excited? Does he get me? No, but I think I think the Daryl Sutter example you gave is a great one because no one was excited for Daryl and no part of Kings hockey during Daryl Sutter's era was exciting until we made it to the playoffs and did the impossible. And it was only after that that everyone was on board. I think even when we initially made it as an eighth seed, no one was sitting there going, man, thank God Daryl's here or else... You know, where would we be without Daryl?
1: Right. And that goes to my point. You can't win until you win. Right. It's, it's, that's, that's the trap of coaching. Like, right. You can't be a winning coach until you win. Right. And it took Daryl a very long time, a very long time to win. And if you, in coaching years, McClellan, like you said, is still relatively young. He hasn't been coaching that long. I mean, Daryl Sutter was coaching since the 80s or early 90s. And then finally, you know, Made it to the mountaintop. So, yeah, we're good with Todd McClellan. Should it happen? Yeah. Should it not, then it get really interesting. I don't know who the hell – Then, the
0: then it's open season. I really don't know. I mean I've seen names like Tony Granado yeah, thrown Tony out there, Granato. which I mean I, I, doesn't get me going. Patrick Waugh, like that does – in no mm-hmm. way does that get me excited. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't trust either of those guys to command an NHL locker room yet. I'm sorry. That's just what it comes down to. I trust a guy like McClellan way more – with this team, than I do someone like Wa, or Tony Granado. or
1: Disco that's Dan Bilesma for them. Definitely matter.
0: more than Bilesma. Definitely, I don't even care that he's he's got cups.
1: He's got or one cup.
0: He's got one cup, and he caught Sorry. lightning in a bottle. Exactly. Exactly. Quite so. frankly,
1: so that's that. Another thing I want to touch on. Did you happen to see Rob Blake's end of season press conference? It was like thirty minutes long. It was mm-hmm. it was a bit of a watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but it. A couple of things about it really stuck out to me. And I'm going to go as far as say kind of bothered me. And what bothered me is how much he blamed himself. Now, I guess that's admirable. But I felt like every five minutes he was saying like, my fault. I, you know, I did a bad job there. He even went as far at one time. He said, I did a terrible job. and I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. Um, I understand there were some things that he could have done differently. I understand um, maybe uh, – not maybe, definitely some of this is on him. But I I don't know why. It, it, I don't want to hear the guy who's supposed to lead this team into the next chapter of their history say so many times that he basically messed up.
0: Do you think he's saying that because he truly believes it or do you think he's saying that because, one, you know – he brought in a clearly interim coach who no longer is there to speak for himself and to apologize for anything that he may have screwed up. And two, he knows that a lot of these players who are in that locker room are not going to be there anymore through the off season. So he doesn't really want to throw them under the bus as well.
1: Maybe, maybe, but I mean, I, I mean, to me, I just to me, don't when see I, the value in, in protecting I don't want to look again, I'm not trying to dump on Willie, but yeah, to go out of your way so much to defend a guy who just clearly wasn't the guy for the job. I guess right. it, I guess it is on him because he hired him, right. But I don't know, something about Blake repeatedly saying it was my fault, it was my fault, I did a terrible job, I did a bad job. It just kept like punching me in the face
0: yeah i I, i'm not i guess i'm not as worried about his confidence i i in some ways i think of it as just press conference material like that's what he's supposed to say and so he says it but i don't necessarily think that he's sitting there you know bemoaning his shortcomings as a as a first-time gm i think if if we know anything about rob blake and his history is that he's a supremely confident player he's been a leader for most of his career um And I I don't get the impression from him even in those interviews that he's necessarily questioning himself or questioning his tactics. I think he's learning on the job a bit, certainly just like anyone else who's a first time GM is. But um, I think he has a clear picture in his head of where this team needs to go. And a lot of that involves more changes, more turnovers, more um, movement of players who have been here a really long time. And, it's just easier in that scenario to accept responsibility straight up than to come out and say, you know, 22 guys on this team didn't do a good job. And that means there's going to be a lot less of those guys next off season. You know what I mean?
1: I I think it's, I I think
0: it's just a way of leading. I don't necessarily think that he's, not believing in himself as a GM or in his overall, doesn't have a clear plan of where he wants this team to go. I think it's quite the opposite. I think he knows exactly where it's going to go, but he can't come out and say it because he would just seem like a barbarian if he came out and he talked like that.
1: No, I, I understand where you're coming from. It's just when I when I think of a or when I think of successful general managers and their cadence and the way they speak and yeah. all that, it, it just. You don't hear that too many times. I get you. I get uh, you. It kind of it alarms you a little bit. And uh, I don't mean to keep going back to like our glory days, but, you know, Dean Lombardi would never, <laughs> never come out and say like, I messed up, guys. <laughs> like never. In fact, by the time he was done talking, he would have somehow convinced you that what he did was the best thing anyone could ever do.
0: By by the time he was done talking, somehow he convinced you that it was your fault that the team sucked.
1: <laughs> exactly. You end up apologizing to him. Yeah walking out of the room.
0: Yeah, all the reporters are apologizing to him for writing terrible <laughs> articles. You're right, Dean. This team was a lot better than we
1: thought. <laughs> exactly. So maybe that's it. Maybe that's um, – maybe I'm yearning for the glory days or something <laughs> like that. I, I'm, not, I'm not too concerned. It's just something that bugged me, something that really jumped out at me.
0: Which, by the way, since you brought up Dean Lombardi, did you hear that he was offered the Ottawa job and he flat turned it down?
1: <laughs> really? Yeah. I did not hear about this. I,
0: I read it in, like, one of the many random tweets that show up and everything. And it was uh, – I forget who it was. It was someone who, who had a line with into um, into Ottawa, basically. Some Canadian – probably TSN. But basically it, it went through, like, a list of candidates that had been contacted already for the Ottawa job to kind of, like, even softly gauge interest. Uh-huh. And it was, like, Steve Iserman um, – Dean Lombardi
1: um I... Oh, oh, I found it. Okay. Uh, Ron Francis, Trevor Linden, There you Dean go. Dean Lombardi, Joe Nieuwendyk and Steve Iserman all are believed to have said no. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's pretty impressive, man. It's Elliot that is Friedman. pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I mean, if the frieze is saying it, buddy,
1: take well, that yeah, to the he's bank. got it. Yeah. That, yeah, that isn't, I mean, it's such a bad place. It's terrible. It's it's Eugene. It's Melnick that's making them. I know, but
0: think about that. Think about that. There's there's a guy who was ousted from a team in, like, the worst possible way, you know, won two cups, ends up getting fired with the coach, essentially, that he hired, and then has to kind of, like... Go back to playing assistant GM, assistant scout sometimes for the Flyers. And another NHL team comes around and offers him a chance at redemption. And he's just like, nah.
1: Not not there.
0: I need to do some more soul searching here.
1: Not there, man. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Uh, I'm glad I do now because it's entertaining as hell. As always. Okay, so. I guess we should talk about the playoffs, Marty, because if things we must, we must, because things are off the rails, and I love it. If if anyone has any doubt that the playoff, the NHL playoffs are the best, is the best tournament in all of sports, man. Just we're four games in, we're four games in, and it is chaos, and it's outstanding. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay. Who the bannerman said on the last episode that Columbus had zero chance. Let me say it again zero chance of beating. The Lightning are down three games to none to the Columbus Blue Jackets, and it is unfreaking believable.
0: I, man, I, you brought this up, buddy, but our, our ECRO per 60, just even in the offseason, refuses to drop, or <laughs> postseason, I should say
1: off the charts it's
0: just it's crazy it's craziness i don't know if you would have found anyone outside of columbus ohio who would have told you that the blue jackets had a chance of beating tampa bay much less being on the verge of sweeping them much less driving their frustration to the point where where the uh heart trophy winner um attempts murder
1: attempts murder and (laughs)
0: gets suspended my I God. Mean, my it God. Is, it's it's fallen apart in so many ways and it is amazing. It's amazing because now you have guys like Matt Duchesne, who's playing in like, I don't know, his sixth playoff game ever, something like that, given these amazing soundbite quotes about how I never expected to be a Columbus Blue Jacket, but it's the happiest I've ever been in my life. I mean, it's it's got the hallmarks again of a team that is just coming together at the right time, scrapped and clawed to even get into the playoffs. Despite the fact that they went absolutely to the wall, bringing in every player that they possibly could at the trade deadline. You know, Yarmo Kekalainen sticking his neck so far out. I, am I mean am so friggin' happy for Yarmo. I really am. It's it's so funny. Like I don't know why. And actually, I do know why. It all traces its origins back to a, a St. Louis Blues draft video from years ago and us getting an inside look at, at Yarmo as a scout, as their head scout back then. Yeah. And I think you and I just fell in love with this guy as, as an executive, as like a hockey mind, and what he brought to the table. And. Um, and just seeing him having to feel that, like, this was the time to make these trades and go for it and get all these players, we were just like, man, if this doesn't work out for him, you know he's, he's getting shit canned. And that was just a sad, you know, kind of a, a series of events we were playing in our own head that were going to unfold for Yarmo, and we were sad for him. <laughs> and. Little did we know <laughs> little did we know that that our, our Yarmo worship was actually further justified because the man is is I mean there's no way he gets fired at this point, right? I don't like think even, so. Even even if which is I, I, I don't see it. And I'm, I I don't see Tampa coming back from this. Right. But even if they somehow did, can you actually see him losing his job after going so far in and having the team on the absolute brink of advancing past the first round in their history?
1: No, I think he's staying. I just want to say that I don't think Tampa's coming back. I know you don't think so either. Um, but no, no, you have to the thing you have to respect a guy who is willing to put his balls on the line in the 11th hour and say, you know what? We're going for it. And you need, you know, I i was critical. Okay, I, not critical, we, but we I, I, I questioned it. I questioned that mentality with the uh, with an underachieving team. Yes. To say I'm going all in when my team is clearly not playing the way they're supposed to play. I didn't, I was against it. I, I questioned it. I questioned him. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was wrong. Uh, but you have to respect the guy who's willing to, to just basically go all in and say, I believe in what I'm doing. I believe in the players I've brought. I believe in the players I have. And we're, this is what we're doing. And right now they are my hopeful to win the Stanley cup. I hope they win. I hope they go all the way because when you slay the giant, like they're about to do like you, it is a scary team. We know it. We know this fans. We know this firsthand when you slay the giant, and you, f- you get start getting that feeling that something special is happening in your locker room, that is a very difficult team to beat, a very difficult team to beat. Kings in 2012, hell, Kings in 2014 was the same story. Vegas yep. last year, when you, when you got that feeling, right? you just felt them going. And, yeah, they lost in the end, but no one would have ever expected them going three wins away from the Cup. So watch out for Columbus. Whoever's, whoever's got them next, I feel sorry for you. Because like the Kings in 2012, this was not an eighth seed. They right. finished eighth, but up and down that line, you look, man, they are deep, they are scary, and they are hungry right now. The main takeaway I have from the first three games between the Lightning and the Blue Jackets is that one team is willing to do whatever it takes mm-hmm. to win. And the other team thought that by showing up, it would be enough. And it is not enough. Not in the playoffs. And right now they're about to pay the ultimate price for that when it comes to hockey. And it's just – it's awesome. I love it. I love every second of it.
0: And now on the flip side of that, where do you go from this if you're Tampa? I mean they – last season they got eliminated and came out this season and had a historic regular season. which are just running on all cylinders. Yeah. And if you potentially get swept in the first round by the eighth seed, where the hell do you go from there, yeah, I man? I think they're
1: going to fire the coach for starting. Maybe that's what
0: Buffalo's waiting on. <laughs> Buffalo's <laughs> waiting on John Cooper to Here's be available. Here's something
1: very interesting about this series. After game one, Tampa was already scrambling in their yeah. post games i don't know well, if you followed I mean, this because they were up 3-0 they were
0: up 3-0 in game one and columbus came back and beat them and they had no idea what to do with themselves
1: but what's funny is they, they were already talking about like we have to change the way we play like what are you talking about dude you were just won 62 games right you blew a 3 nothing lead in one game and right. you're already talking about like we have to change the way we do things i think stamkos went out and he said those words to the media like Where's your composure, man? Where is – see, that's not a championship team because we've seen championship teams up close and we've seen them way before. And when – at the first sign of trouble, you're scrambling. You are not going to go where you need to go. And that's exactly – game two, they're like, we don't know – John Cooper looks lost. Like, what do we do?
0: When yeah, do, the five-alarm fire quote is going to be – There you go.
1: Five-alarm fire. What? It was two-nothing. nothing Right. It was 2 nothing, You know, you, again, we're talking about our team. I don't want to keep doing this, but when the Kings went down 0-2 to San Jose, I remember Daryl Sutter telling the media, like, everyone needs to relax because it's not like someone died the way they were throwing questions at him. He was just calm. The team was calm. The team never looked rattled, even in those three games. Down 0-3, they never... You never got the feeling that, like, they're not trying, that they're scrambling for answers. No, it was a very workman-like attitude they brought to the rink. And that's what you need in the playoffs. Playoffs are going to be all about ups and downs, adversity, all this stuff. And from game one, the Lightning looked like they were like, we're not ready.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, what do you mean we lost? Yeah, you lost. It's one game. Right. You're the best team in the league. You're a record-setting team. You cannot... Fold like that after game one, and game two the final like you mentioned the five alarm dude, it is not a five alarm right. emergency like chill, just take right. a step back, play your game, but they didn't, and now they're in real deep shit,
0: yeah, no it's it's crazy I mean and and some of that I mean I guess you're right, man, some of that stems from the coaching too like your leaders have to have to come out. And keep everyone's composure. And within two games, you have, again, your leading scorer taking a nasty hit and getting suspended. You have your captain talking about having to change the way you got to play. And you have your coach talking about this being a five-alarm fire. And I get that there's a sense of like you're trying to spark some urgency. You're trying to get these guys going. But, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's clearly not what's working for him at the moment. And it's it's probably too late for them to do anything about it now. It's just – it's nuts. It's nuts, man. It's –
1: they look and, defeated. And
0: they do. They look they dumb. They really do. And meanwhile, Columbus, I'm looking at videos of these guys like strutting into the locker room after the game. Have you seen this clip? Please find this cl- – if you have not seen this clip, look at the clip of Artemi Panarin going back to the locker room. I think it was like in between periods last game. He is literally Ric Flair, Ric Flair strutting back to the locker room, like I, dancing. I
1: haven't seen it, but I'm going to try to find it.
0: It's it's phenomenal. It's, it's everything about that team in a single clip right now. Right. Just the swagger. They have just dripping swag at the moment. That's, and they have the roster to, to do it.
1: That's what it is, man. Like, imagine they if they sweep the lightning, okay – the amount of mojo that is just flowing through their veins, you do not want to play that team. Right. They automatically become, after one series, the team of destiny, like automatically. Right. And it's it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I, I haven't found the clip, but I'll find it. Uh, maybe we'll tweet it up for you guys if you want to see and, it too.
0: And again, as Kings fans, we should all recognize when you see that that swagger, when you see that mojo, because – that mojo was what brought us the greatest oh, playoff run in our history. It's
1: undeniable too. When you see it, you know it's there. When you see it, you know it's there. And yeah. and the guys that the Kings had in the locker their locker room, they had that mix of veterans, they had the mix of youngsters, they had guys like Williams and Richards, and it's just it goes to show you there is no formula for this this sport. There really isn't and i think what columbus has done solidifies that being hot at the right time is far more important than being the best team
0: and i think we've we've said that historically man we have, we have said that historically that just you got to catch fire you catch fire at the right time you got a good goalie which columbus very much does and dude you can you can do it 16 wins is nothing In that type of a setting.
1: And what this proves, and maybe we've been spoiled by this, is how difficult it is to win this tournament. How difficult it is to win the Stanley Cup. The Kings have two Stanley Cups in a three-year period. And we will forever have taken it for granted. I don't care who says what. How hard it is. The Lightning just won 62 games. And as early as tomorrow, they could be out. Yeah. They could be out. This is, is so difficult to win in this league. It's so difficult to win the Stanley Cup. Now they have to come back from 3 nothing. It's not going to happen. Yeah. And, no, it's not going to happen. And by so- the way, all this talk, you know, Kings fans, we romanticize that first run a lot. We really do. Like if you ask any Kings fan, like what, what's that run, the run is 2012. Mm-hmm. When they bulldoze everybody, no series was ever in question. 3-0, all four times. Everyone really romanticizes that run. But the more you watch or the more you're separated from that, the, the longer the Kings are out of the playoffs and not going deep. Yeah, You appreciate the 14 run as much, if not more. Because yeah, man. coming back from 0-3, first of all, what it takes to do that, and the Flyers and the Kings both deserve a ton of credit for doing this four years apart, but you look at Tampa right now, you know they can't do it. You know they can't do it because it's, you're, you're staring at the impossible, and to stare at the impossible and believe you could do it is borderline impossible. <laughs> so yeah. I think I'm falling more in love with the 14 run as, the, as we come, become more and more detached from that year. It was. I mean,
0: it was definitely a more earned run. It was a very different feeling, for sure.
1: So Certainly. Certainly. Okay. Okay.
0: So other series. Yes. There, are, other yes. Series going there on. are.
1: There is more hockey's happening. Um, <laughs> Washington. Let's do the Washington series because today something Jeez. truly ugly happened on the ice. Uh, by the way, Caps are up two-one in that series. Hurricanes beat them five-one in game three. Um, early in the game, Andre Svechnikov rookie out of uh, for the Columbus or Columbus for the Carolina hurricanes decided it was a good idea, um, to go after Alex Ovechkin and and challenge him to a fight. They dropped the gloves and Ovi dropped Andre, unfortunately. And it was an ugly scene, a couple of straight rights to the face. And then Svechnikov falls back and hits his head on the ice and he's done for the game minimum. Um, yeah unfortunately what has been a good series is going to be overshadowed by this now a little bit um no idea what he's thinking trying to fight that guy no idea what he's thinking trying to fight period right it's not his game um it you have guys on your team who can do that if you need energy if you need to bring your team up i get all that you are not that guy Ovi is not that guy so I'm not really sure what he was thinking but he did it and unfortunately right now he's I don't know he's questionable for the rest of the series.
0: Yeah. I mean it was it was a brutal fall and it surely seemed like the ice hurt him more than the punch did just the way he fell and I don't know man I don't know like it, it it's it's stuff like that and I, I I brought this up before like I I don't I don't really know if there is much of a place Left And we're seeing less and less fights every year. And I get the the players enforcing each other, you know, playing players enforcing the game. If you got rid of it, then you'd have kind of the goons running roughshod on your stars. I get all that. But, man, when you see something like that happen, that can happen to any player. That can happen to any single player, whether they get punched, whether they slip. Especially with the more we learn about concussions and how they limit – not just your career, but your life afterwards, it just, I don't know. It, it really begins to bring into question in my mind, like how much longer we're going to see fighting in the game, but especially in situations like that. I, I have no idea what could have possibly been crossing Sveshnikov's mind at that moment to, to think that, like, fighting Ovechkin was going to be something uh, that was worth doing yeah <laughs> that's not what you're there for man they didn't draft you to to punch you know the greatest scorer of the generation and probably his idol in some ways in the face that's not what your role is you're not you're not being a man about it you're basically jeopardizing your career as has been proven so
1: i agree i mean hockey culture will always be hockey culture okay you're always going to want to prove whether they ask you to do it or not you're always going to prove you're tough you're always going to want to prove that you're willing to do whatever it takes for your team that's right. just the culture of the sport whether you like it or not that's so ingrained in hockey i don't think that's ever going away but like i said the game has changed enough over the years where skilled guys no longer have to do this you know skilled guys don't have to protect themselves no one you know mark messier used to score 50 goals and punch people in the face like that doesn't happen too many times anymore, um Eric Lindros type players they don't really exist anymore, so you don't have to go out and do all this stuff. You have guys on your fourth line, whatever who are brought on to this team to have situations like that to participate in situations like that to be that quote unquote spark plug you need whatever that's why they still have jobs. Leave it to them. Leave it to your local yep. punching bag to get punched in the face. You don't need to do it. you're a good player, you're young. And quite frankly, Ovi doesn't need to do it either. In this case, I don't blame him because he was pushed to do it.
0: Yeah, it was a very strange scene. It was like a little scrum and then he full on, you know, just kind of pushed him until until he fought. And it's like, what are you doing, bro?
1: Yeah. And then Rob Brindamore comes out and he's all upset about yeah. Oveshkin dropping his gloves first, which is just, come on.
0: Yeah. No, that was, I mean, I, again... Um, Sorry, I had to go to backtrack a little bit. I found the Panarin clip, but the timing, even though it was recently reposted, is actually from a prior game. I I apologize. I see. It's from an older game. Okay. Okay. But I'm pretty sure this is exactly how he feels regardless.
1: Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, so not much else to say about that series. I think it's going kind of as expected. Washington's defending the title. I I suspect it will go at least six games. Um, the other one, or, well, speaking of suspensions, Nazem Kadri is done for the first round because it was the second annual Nazem Kadri's going <laughs> to hit someone in the head series. Nazem Kadri
0: playoff sit fest.
1: Whatever. Um, so I, I watched the play. First of all, I don't like that first hit by DeBrusque. Let me just put that out there. I don't like it. It's yeah. on Marlowe. It's a, like a corner, but it's not, you can't classify it as a dirty hit i don't like it i think who he hit has a lot to do with it i think where he hit him has a lot to do with it but if you want to send a message just jump on the guy and you know give him a few stiff ones with your glove on and you would be playing the rest of this series yep to go over and two hand cross check him in the mouth when you're a repeat offender and you're known to do just dumb shit over and over again now he's done for the series and i like the leafs that's why I'm kind of irked by the fact that this guy would do this again. But, yeah, he's done for the series. Although Toronto just took a 2-1 series lead on Boston, and I really believe that this might be their time to at least eliminate this team who's been giving them Mm -hmm. nightmares for so long. But, yeah, that's a good series too, man. It's a fun series to watch. You could tell Boston's a little older, a little slower, and you could tell Toronto's just a little Bit hungrier than they've yeah. been before, and that's kind of what happens when you get embarrassed over and over again. Yeah,
0: and, and we haven't really even seen much of of Matthews really in that scenario yet. I think you know Mitch Marner had a great game. Um, I think Toronto's still waiting to kind of click
1: a little bit. Yeah, Matthews yeah. got one today, but I mean he's still not.
0: Yeah, he's there. he's not he's that not like ever present. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, meanwhile in some other series i'm um, like the the colorado one comes to mind where that's, mckinnon is just
1: that's a fun series man, man. very underrated series under the radar yeah. they are going at it that's a fun series to watch right there um the last one in the east before we move on is the isles yeah, and the pens oof um, you want
0: to talk a- I know I know in deep in in the recesses of your heart your uh, the pens are your or your mistress team they are and they have been for for many years um but you have to have some appreciation for what the islanders are doing right now
1: absolutely first of all i appreciate any team that can shut down Sidney crosby and that's what they've done he doesn't have mm-hmm. a point he doesn't have a point in 3 games okay he's still in my opinion well no, he's he's right now solidly the second best player in the world and that's only because of age, but they've neutralized him. He hasn't been much of a factor yet. Um if I you know, if I had if someone said you have to bet on either Pittsburgh or Tampa coming back, I'm going to put my money on Sidney Crosby. Do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. But there are very few players I've seen over the years that are as up to a challenge, as Sidney Crosby is. He is, you know, when sometimes he gets this look in his eye when he tells you, like, it's go time or when he tells you anything of that nature, you believe it. it. Is he telling you that a lot? He's been telling me, yeah, through the television every time he looks into the camera. Um, but, no, they're in trouble. Islanders are playing tremendous hockey. The thing is, contrary to the Tampa series, like, the pens are kind of there. They're there. You know, I don't think they're getting severely outplayed. I think it's just a matter of a couple of plays here, a couple of plays there, and the game switches. Whereas Tampa looks like they just Lost. don't – They just rather be anywhere else for most of the game. So it's, I think the Islanders obviously are, are still going to advance. And it's going to be interesting because if they do, I believe it will be Washington and New York, uh, Long Island. I mean and mm-hmm. it would be Trotz, the Trotz Bowl. <laughs> would, be, would be in full effect so that would be kind of cool to see yeah um, but yeah good for them man they're a good team and you know what i slept on them all year i slept on them in this series i have no problem saying that they're pretty darn good at the hockey yeah
0: yeah i know if you were to ask me good. which which uh which two series potentially had sweep potential um i would tell you tampa Sweeping Columbus was was a very uh, was a very strong potential, and uh, I would have thought yeah, not necessarily that one. I, I thought that game would – that would go at least six games, but I certainly didn't think the Columbus – I mean uh, that uh, the Highlanders were going to come this close to sweeping the Penguins.
1: Yeah. It's Crazy times. Crazy times. But it's cool. Yes, indeed. It's cool because it is. the second round can potentially look really different than yeah. what we expected and that's and that's very nice to see we talked a little bit about calgary colorado yeah um mike smith playing out of his mind well he was in the first two games
0: and then he uh, Mike Smith uh, today,
1: today you know what he reminds me of like a very old dam that has a lot of cracks in it and it's just holding on that's what he reminded <laughs> me in game one when he had that tremendous game Like, Colorado threw a lot at him. He was just making save after save, but he never looked comfortable. You know what I mean? Like, he's making the saves, but you can see you're like, man, at any second, this guy might crack. And that's really – that's his thing. That's been his thing for a long time. Yeah,
0: and I think that's, you know, that's okay for Calgary because, you know, Riddick had a fantastic regular season. So, really – they could easily go with him and I, I think th- he'd be just fine.
1: I was kind of surprised that towards the end they just said it's Mike Smith time. Right. It was very right. odd. Like I think Riddick, yeah, he may have put up a few stinkers in there. But to shift completely to Smith in the way they did, it wasn't even right. a question. It was like, nope, he's our guy. We're going with him.
0: I mean, I you want to uh, kind of get into – we were discussing coaches and stuff. I thought that was a great hire for Calgary last season when they immediately swept up peters yeah, from yeah. from carolina because that was a i mean that was a team you and kings fans you should remember seeing the kings play carolina a couple times last year and that one overtime comes to mind where they just absolutely <laughs> embarrassed us for four minutes i don't remember us touching the puck at all and their possession metrics their shot generation metrics everything was was just like beautiful the only thing that just wasn't coming together was the wins column. And Carolina, with new leadership at the helm, just didn't have the patience to really wait for them. And, you know, they went down the Rod Brindermore route, which line is working out for them. But kudos to Calgary in that moment to, to swoop up Bill Peters because they knew he was a good coach. And, uh, yeah. another guy that i i I wish i wish the kings had been able to get but here we are um so you know i i I have a little trust i have a little faith in his ability to read his team as well
1: yeah um nashville dallas just a whole lot of what we expected yeah low scoring hockey it's
0: just not a series that excites me and i don't it's, it's
1: not an exciting series to tell you the truth like it's two very conservative teams kinda of going at it. Like Nashville is up right now two to one. But I like would it surprise you if this goes seven games? Like a war of attrition? Probably not. Yeah. I mean it's it seems like that type of series. I don't have too much to say on it really.
0: There's just there's just so yeah. many better storylines going on right now. I think that's kind of what it comes down to. Like right, right. yes, there's talented players. Yes, there's there's always the potential for Nashville, you know, being being the team that they are to kind of get through but dallas i don't know it just it i i'm not i'm not finding a hook you no, know what i mean like no. there's nothing there that's hooking me over say tampa columbus or new york pittsburgh or or, or even even you know san jose vegas i mean that that series it's got its fair share of nastiness. Now, Joe Thornton also. Look at the people who are getting suspended, by the way. <laughs> yes. like, good Lord. <laughs> are we cool. trying to build a suspended all-star team? What is <laughs> yeah. happening here?
1: Yeah. Some good players getting suspended yeah. for sure. Um, yeah. Um, San Jose, Vegas, you just mentioned. Entertaining. Yeah. I'll tell you, Mark Stone. God. I think we I, we kind of lamented his $9.5 over whatever the hell it was forever. But... He's their best player right now, and it's not even close. In fact, Vegas built an entire first line over the summer and at the deadline between Pacioretty, Stasny, and and Stone. They built a line to support the Carlson, So, I think it's Riley Smith. I I, I forget who rotates there. But they built an entire line, and right now they look pretty good. They look pretty good. I expect the Sharks to come back. I mean, they're only down one game, but I expect them to come back strong. Uh, this is another one that I think is going to be a long series. Martin Jones, who I said many times is the best playoff goalie of the last three years, has been brutal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely brutal, statistically. So he, he might, be, it might be gut check time for our old boy Martin Jones, uh, a goalie that you and I like very much and liked back then too. So it's going to be yeah, interesting to see. that it's, is – yeah his numbers tough, are, man. are no good that's no tough because
0: right if, if if vegas gets eliminated i mean if uh if san jose gets eliminated in this series yeah would you be at all surprised if if they decided that they needed to bring in someone to kind of challenge jones perhaps for that spot
1: not at all i think that's a good thing to have at all times um but no like look sharks and goaltending man it's been a problem for a long long time yep and i don't think doug wilson is the type of gm who has a whole whole lot of patience for bad goaltending to tell you the truth so yeah i don't know he's played three games uh he's i sorry he's played two games on record he started all three but he has a win and a loss on the dell got the loss on that one game where yeah because he got got pulled pulled after three goals in the first five minutes Whatever it was, eight forty nine save percentage, five point two goals against in his three appearances. And again, he,
0: he's not playing against a chop liver team. Like clearly, he's playing he, against a team that's right,
1: right, an offensive, know. a dynamic offensive team yeah. to be sure.
0: Uh, but he, again, you want to bring up Mark Stone. The guy's got six goals in three games. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, 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 it's madness. And and Vegas, of course, goes out in the midst of all this and signs Nikita Gusev to bring him over. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Saw that. (laughs) Interesting. I mean, (laughs) Jesus. Apparently the playoffs are no longer a pressure cooker for players who have never played in the No,
0: apparently not. Apparently the playoffs are now the time to bring in these random, you know, offensive dynamos and first-round picks and God knows what else and just be like, yeah,
1: go and see what you got. In in fact, if I'm not mistaken – um, Tanner Pearson made his NHL <laughs> debut in the playoffs as well for the Kings in 2013. I might have yeah. to check that, but I think that's true. Um, but yeah, that's that's a fun series. Yeah. Meanwhile,
0: if if the if the Kings were somehow miraculously in the playoffs, you know damn well that Matt Luff and and Austin Wagner were going to get healthy scratched.
1: <laughs> yeah, in favor of like, I don't know, they'd sign a vet. <laughs> they'd bring
0: back Nate Thompson.
1: Yeah, bring, They would have never traded him, buddy. Are you that's kidding right. Me? Um. Winnipeg, St. Louis. Yeah, yeah. Damn, I don't. Cool.
0: I mean, it was interesting. You know, St. Louis went up two right. zero in that series initially, and now the Jets are are showing a little life. So, you know, I just I don't know, man. It's again, it's another one of these series that I feel like I'll I'll catch up to whichever team wins and. You know, follow them then. In terms of priority, in terms of ones that really hook me with anything, it's it's right there. It's 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 right there in the bottom of the totem pole with uh, with the Dallas. I'll series. tell you though,
1: if St. Louis went up three nothing, I think that would be a little different.
0: Very much so, because then, then you got a storyline.
1: <laughs> then you would kind of Yeah. I mean if you think about it, it's still a story that they stole two games in Winnipeg. That's pretty impressive. That's very true. Um, That's very true. But Jordan Bennington continues to be just a great hockey story. An older rookie just coming in and be like, Yeah, I'm going to beat Winnipeg in the first two games. Yep. That sucks to be Jake Allen. You pack your bags, bro. Yeah. <laughs> here, here.
0: I hear San Jose's looking.
1: So that will be such a San Jose <laughs> acquisition. Like, Jake Allen will solve all our problems. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting interesting first round it already is and second round would be incredible okay buddy what do you like for the cup now that the overwhelming favorite is pretty much out and quite frankly a lot of the top seed just don't look as good as we thought they would look Uh, winnipeg nashville these teams in the in the preseason that everyone said they're gonna be right there they don't look so hot right now
0: no oh man you're gonna You're going to hate me when I say this, but, um, I think I like the, if, if the Islanders can get past Washington, assuming Washington's, well, who makes it to the next round? I think if the Islanders can make it past Washington, I think they've got that same kind of team of destiny swagger to them a little bit.
1: I see it. I see a little bit of that.
0: And, uh. I'm sincerely concerned about Vegas.
1: <laughs> you should always be concerned about Vegas because Man, they're they're picking it up now. They're dude, they're kind of finding that magic again. That
0: Mark Stone signing and what he's playing like right now is propelling the team.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's bringing is it, it's, it's bringing back memories. It's is what it's doing.
0: Bringing back nightmares is what it's doing.
1: Right for us, for us, but so, for them,
0: yeah. So um, I I think. Uh, I think if I have to play the hindsight is 2020 game and look at the teams and see which ones are kind of standing out to me, and again, this is all probably going to be wrong and it'll change from the quarters to the semis, but Vegas Vegas Islanders is my new
1: oh my god
0: is the new new
1: Gary Bettman <laughs> come on like a Islanders Columbus Eastern Conference Final I think Gary Bettman would. Just cry every night into his pillow. <laughs>
0: Are you kidding? I think he'd love that. I think it would it would justify his expansion to Columbus and further justify his expansion to Vegas if they made it to the cup final two years in a row.
1: I would not like that at all. I wouldn't either. I would hate my life. <laughs> Honestly, like, even though they're down, like I said this before, I really like San Jose, but I did, cause clearly they didn't expect Martin Jones to be, you know, Dan Cloutier 2.0, <laughs> which is... I did not expect that. Um in the preseason I think I said Toronto would do it. In my heart I don't believe it because mm-hmm. they haven't quite played the way where you're like, man, these guys are in a mode right now. They're mm-hmm. they're not there yet. Um but if if all goes how it's going, Toronto might be the best <laughs> team in in the playoffs.
0: I mean, it might be
1: if you really break it down, I mean, Capitals obviously would would challenge that statement. But man, a lot of the favorites are just going away, <laughs> just going away already. It's kind but of crazy. You,
0: but it, it might set up for some great storylines, man. Because say Toronto makes it that far, and the Islanders make it that far. Yeah, that would be. Oh,
1: yeah, that would be a tremendous series. Good lord, Beautiful
0: every series. every single every single game that play that is played in New York in that series would be worth. <laughs> watching yeah uh, yep. so good times that's, good times that's the, ahead.
1: that's the playoff rundown guys um and that's in, i think that's it for us right i think we've talked about a lot of things today that we have I think All we the more, relevant than, things. more than made up for our time off
0: yeah and some of it again was we just couldn't find the proper time because it seemed like every day was going to be another day that like something significant needed to be talked about and uh you know, and I'm sure, like you said, tomorrow I'm sure it'll come out that Todd McClellan's hired, and, and this this whole episode will will be well. No, we we talked enough. We about McClellan. basically
1: it's, talked like it was it's yeah, already happened, so we got that going for so us. So we had
0: that was the angle that we took on it. We're sticking to it. Damn exactly. it.
1: Exactly. The last thing, Vardy. What did you think about that Finland USA Women's World Championship oh, catastrophe?
0: Man. I. So the international hockey rules, and and you've had the good fortune of playing international, I I do not agree with a lot of it. I think they make some very strange rule uh, modifications and uh, some soft calls, if you will. Yeah. I I did not see significant goalie interference at all on that. I I, thought it was a loose puck on a rebound, and— the player was already skated in that direction and went towards the loose puck as the goaltender was. The puck was knocked even looser straight to – that should have been a Finland goal. I don't see any reason how that's overturned.
1: I agree. I look, and
0: Apparently, Finland has, has filed an official protest against it. So, you know, whatever. And then to agonize over it, to drag it out like with a 12-minute review afterwards. Yeah. Dude it's
1: the longer it goes the worse it is I, you know it's not going your way i've, I've never seen
0: anything like that in my life i have never seen a review like that and then everything gets called back after 12 minutes and then you start it up again
1: yeah very odd very very odd look we're both americans right we're both born here um i'll always have a you know I'll always be all about u.s hockey and everything but that was, so that, was fair, that was a travesty. Yeah. That was a straight up tra- – and then to settle it with a shootout.
0: That's the worst part. It, it, in really... a setting
1: where you know the U.S. has an advantage, you just right. know – obviously they don't say – it's not like it was fixed or whatever. But what I'm saying is in your heart, you know that U.S. has the advantage in that situation and you're kind of hoping Finland wins so all this can be f- like forgotten. Moot. <laughs> but
0: no, it's it's – it's already hard enough, right? It's already hard enough to come back from that review and then amp yourself up again and get back into it. Because immediately the fact that the game's even going is an advantage to the U S they're sitting there excited. Now the momentum's completely shifted. And then you take away any possibility of five on five play, helping bring back the momentum and you shift it into, into just like a one-on-one skills competition for something that important that you've already jacked up right it's it's just not fair in so many ways and i can't i can't fully believe that all the u.s players were okay with how it turned out Uh, i'm not saying that i'm not saying that they want to like hand over the gold medals to finland or anything but you got to believe that as a player in that scenario you're looking across the ice and you're going man i this is this is not how i want to win yeah it sucks you know it sucks it's tainted. Okay. In a lot of ways.
1: Yeah. Um, one more thing. It's episode 38. We got to do what we always do.
0: Oh, man. Which is, we saved it. Which is the Bannerman. We saved it, baby. Guessing
1: the episode game. Um, I started thinking about it in the last four minutes. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. So I may have, mm-hmm. my mind may have pulled a few few names. Okay. That have worn number 38. First, I'd like to know how many Vardy. We're
0: All right. fortunate I'll tell enough you to right wear this now. great number. There have been exactly eight players to have worn the number 38.
1: Okay. Um, All right. Go go. for it. Uh, Obviously, the first one comes to mind. Beautiful Pavel Dimitra himself. Mm -hmm. Pavel Dimitra, rest in peace, my friend, number 38. Probably, uh, I'm guessing, the best number 38 the Kings have ever had. Hands down, unless
0: you're... I well, mean, anyway, name Kev- the other Kevin ones. Kevin
1: Dahlman wasn't very good.
0: No. So Man. unless you're a huge Kevin Dahlman <laughs> right. fan, from him being the KHL Norris Trophy winner or whatever the Norris Trophy is called in the KHL Slava Fatisov
1: <laughs> Memorial yeah. Award or whatever. Yeah. Um, Paul Ledoux, obviously. The, right. The, the, most the, original recent, LeDoux. the original Ledoux. Version Ledoux version 1.0. The one that Dennis Bernstein started his hatred with.
0: That's right. It's number translated 30. to do number do.
1: Yeah, um, those three are immediate ones.
0: There should be a more immediate one.
1: Really? Am yes. I? Am I completely just a current one? Am I? Oh yeah, the Grundstrom. The Grundy. The Grunder himself. Uh, so that's four, mm-hmm. and I think that's all I got for you today. I think that's the only four I could think of because no goalie wore it. Um. For some reason, I have a feeling like some Finnish guy wore it. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, hit, hit me with the other four, guard.
0: So apparently, the man who was episode number 37 also wore number 38 for like four games for whatever reason.
1: Grabischkopp? So Denny wow, won it. okay.
0: And it would be hilarious if I gave him two episodes, <laughs> but I'm not about to do that too. I episodes. appreciate that. <laughs> um, going backwards in time from him... Uh, Mr. Chris McAlpine.
1: Ah, rock, yes, of course. Rock
0: the 38. Uh, Rob Valashevich.
1: Uh-huh, okay. Rock,
0: <laughs> cool, yeah, awesome. <laughs> 17 games of the of glorious right. number 38. And the, um, and the first ever player to wear the number 38 was Mr. Eric Levine, <laughs> who played...
1: One game hey. in ninety four ninety five. <laughs> there you go. I suspect he did not get on the score sheet in that contest. No sir. All no right.
0: sir. However, this episode belongs to one player, and one player only, and that has to be Pavel Dimitro. Absolutely. There's there's no way I could in any good conscience, and generally I'll give it to to such you know revolutionary players as Paulie Jacks, <laughs> who can who can forget Polly <laughs> Jacks. Um, but no, having, uh, man, what an amazing player he was. And it's, it hurts my heart every time to have to speak about him in the past tense, Yeah, not just because of like retirement or whatever, but you know, in the, uh, having lost his life in that plane crash with the locomotive. But, um, I had the, I had the good fortune of actually meeting him when he was a member of the Kings. I have a, I have a team stick signed and this was during an era i mean the names on this stick man you were there probably with me getting it signed but probably i mean Demetra, Ronick, Robotai. yeah I got, I got all these names on it and just the nicest dude must have signed like 50 autographs that day just walking home from practice and just super sad yeah super super sad I think the lasting memory I have from him will always be him scoring a hat trick absolutely. on free hat night.
1: That is if I, could point beautiful. Out one, yeah, if I could point out one thing I remember about him, it's absolutely that game. It's probably the one thing a lot of Kings fans, if anything, th- it's an easy remember. clip to yeah. find
0: too. And just, and just because seeing the
1: ice was just, uh, I want to, I want to I wanna be sure I'm right, but I, I think I was there. But even if I wasn't, like you can't – it's just one of those things where you're just like – you don't see this every day. Like you yeah. just don't see this every day and it was a very cool, very cool memory. I think memory. Bob
0: Miller may have even called it like that too or, or something. His call, I remember just laughing at it. It was something like – Yeah. <laughs> What an incredible thing to happen on Free Hot Night, you know. <laughs> and it always it always reminded me of uh, of basketball <laughs> what a horrible thing to happen on Rotten Neck Night. You know?
1: free, yeah, I think I think it was free range chicken. <laughs> free range, something like that. Oh man. But yeah, definitely so, uh, definitely a yes. good choice on your part, Vardy. I thought that's who you were gonna pick. I'm glad you delivered on that. Um, I think it's a good note to end on something yep. bittersweet, so to speak. Um, but that's it for us, guys. This was episode 38. Episode 39 coming to you much sooner than this one did, yes. I'm sure. Um Thank you guys, as always, for following us, for listening to us, for being a part of this with us. You know where to find us. You can find us on Twitter, first and foremost, at the Bannerman Pod. You could email us at thebannermanpod at gmail.com. You could subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, everywhere you can find a podcast, you can find us. And we are excited to go into this offseason because moving forward, we're going to really focus in on the draft, ladies and gentlemen, and it's one of our favorite times of the year, and we're very, very glad you'll be joining us for it.
0: You've been listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast.